You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our special Market Talk podcast with AIB Private Banking. I'm Jane Kavanagh from AIB Corporate Treasury and I'm very pleased to welcome back Conor Egan, Head of Investments with AIB Private Banking and John Fahey, our Senior Economist in AIB. John and Connor, before we look ahead to what our customers might expect in the coming months, as always, we might first look back briefly on the second quarter of the year. And John, I might go to you first in this regard. On our last podcast in April, we had talked about the encouraging signs for the global economy. Did this improving trajectory continue through the quarter? So what Q2 showed us was that the trajectory of improvement continued. In fact, you know, when we look at where we have been over not just the second quarter, but the first half of the year overall, is macroeconomic performance from a global economy perspective has been uh, better than expected. So in terms of what's driving that, we've seen the arrival of vaccines over the course of the first half of the year and that ramping up of that in the second quarter uh, and the higher than expected efficacy of those vaccines uh, in dealing with COVID. Uh, So this has allowed for a more quicker reopening and easing of restrictions across some of those key advanced economies for example, in the US and the UK, as we move through the second quarter. What we also saw too, though, is that economies in some of those sectors most impacted by the restrictions proved more resilient and more adaptable to the restrictions that are in place. An example of that would be just in terms of the retail sector and, and increased online provision of services across that. Also too, though, uh, we've had a very supportive policy backdrop, both from a fiscal perspective in terms of what government stimulus Uh, income support measures for labour markets. And at the same time, monetary policy has also been very accommodative. If you think of global interest rates across the key central banks like the US Fed, Bank of England, ECB, rates are at practically zero. In the case of the ECB, uh, they're in negative territory and also very extensive quantitative easing. So the policy backdrop has been supportive. The rollout of vaccines combined uh, and all of that has seen us, uh, you know, register strong performance as we move through the second quarter. So because of that, actually, from where we were at the start of the year, uh, we've seen a large upper division to forecast for the global economy. So if you take the most recent kind of major international forecasting agency, the OECD, they're now penciling in uh, the global economy to grow by uh, 5.8% this year. At the start of the year, that was closer to 4%. And for next year, they see growth slowing, but still remaining very strong uh, at around 4.5% compared to a sub 4% growth rate than what was expected at the start of the year for next year. And the IMF is pretty close in terms of its global forecasts, upper revisions, expecting 6% growth this year and around 4.5% growth. Uh, next year. So what we would say is that the macro news flow through the second quarter, but just generally the first half of the year uh, has been better than expected. And all indications are is that we're uh, economy, the global economy and all the major advanced economies uh, are well underpinned for recovery uh, to continue and an improving trajectory uh, as we move into the second half of this year and into next year. Thanks, John. That sounds very, very positive. Connor, turning to you, I suppose, then following a strong performance in quarter one, we once again saw strong equity market returns in quarter two, as well as new record highs, which I feel is becoming somewhat of a quarterly feature in these podcasts. You might provide some detail to our listeners on the factors or drivers behind that. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I suppose just to get, kind of give a quick summary in terms of markets, how, it, how they did you know, effectively built on the strong quarter of Q1 uh, with basically risk assets. So effectively your equities and commodities uh, giving another very strong performance in Q2. So basically virtually all markets uh, had positive returns. 
the in terms of looking at a kind of a regional basis, uh, the US outperformed. The S and P five hundred was up about about eight uh, percent. Europe and emerging markets kind of lagged somewhat, uh, but still had had reasonable returns: four and a half percent for Europe and three and a half percent for emerging markets. In relation in relation to kind of maybe specific parts of the market, what we did see was we saw kind of growth stocks. So you know your sort of your Netflixes, your Zooms, your Amazons. Those companies that have high uh, earnings growth rates, they basically outperformed in the quarter. So they're up about 12 percent, and they outperformed the kind of more value sector. So your sort of financials, your industrials, your um, uh, material companies, which rose about five percent. So this was basically a bit of a change from the first quarter. Uh, so in some ways, it was probably just kind of growth stops, growth stocks catching up uh, on the more value value ones. And but year to date, actually, value stocks are still steady, performing about one percent for versus the growth area. Uh, finally, small cap companies um, also kind of underperformed slightly, so up around five percent in the quarter. But they were up about twenty percent in quarter one. So in some ways, you know, probably just a bit of a pause for, for breath, given how well they had done in, in the first quarter. Quickly, basing relation to maybe other some other asset classes, commodities, another risk asset, uh, obviously outperformed or performed strongly in the quarter. The broad index was up by, about 13%. Uh, the big uh, kind of star performer there was oil, up by 24%. So basically helped by kind of sort of tight oil supplies and, and sort of optimism around economic reopening and, and, and ultimate demand for oil. And then finally, in terms of, say, a couple of other, other share classes, so your hedge funds are up around 2%. And I suppose not not sort of unsurprisingly, the more defensive type assets, so your your bonds kind of underperformed somewhat. So say Eurozone corporate bond indices were only up around 0.3% and the kind of the more sovereign uh, side, which is even the kind of more almost risk-free side, was basically flat on the quarter with the longer date as Eurozone sovereign bonds down about 1%. Maybe just quick, quickly to kind of cover off maybe some of the highlights in terms of, of what caused, caused a good performance. And, and, and I suppose John kind of, echoed a lot of the, the kind of the the things that helped so obviously covid news was very good obviously big drop in um in new cases uh, a big ramp up in, in vaccinations uh, just looking at one of the figures there i just saw the us at the end of q1 was about 17 percent of the population vaccinated i think currently it's around 47 percent at the end of june so obviously a, a big ramp up there which which obviously markets liked uh, as john also mentioned very strong economic data particularly out of the us and what that basically contributed to, which again is good for markets, is a very big jump in earnings growth. Uh, so in Q1, we saw earnings up about 50% in the US compared to the same quarter last year and, and even a greater jump in, in Europe. And we're kind of seeing that kind of coming through again into, into quarter two uh, in terms of US earnings growth. So looking at growth of around 70% in earnings compared to this time last year. So obviously very, very strong figures. And, and that kind of trend is likely to continue for the rest of the year, which, which, which should be good for markets. And then finally, the, the two points which John also mentioned, which, which again, equities like favorable central bank policy. So basically no changes in interest rates. So obviously that that's good for, for, for corporates in terms of borrowing costs and, and kind of comparisons versus, versus investing in equities uh, when interest rates are low and obviously quantitative easing is still there. Uh, <clears throat> and then finally, the fiscal stimulus measure. So you had Biden obviously with that big 1.2 trillion fiscal um, stimulus infrastructure that, that he that he put in place. So again, that, that's all positive in terms of economic growth and ultimately corporate earnings, which, which feeds through to markets. So, so all in all, a, a good number of kind of positive factors that help markets in Q2. Connor, thanks for that. John, I might just come back to you again. We both talked there about the bullish momentum that is out there and, and, the, and the positive sentiment uh, that prevails. But where would you see the key risks to this macro outlook? The key risk and the most obvious one is still COVID-19. We see actually how the impact of the vaccine rollout 
is materializing in terms of economic recovery. So, you know, there's marked differences in the pace of recovery across uh, some of the key major global economies. And the biggest risk really is probably in relation to, from the perspective of COVID-19 and its variants, is the slow vaccine rollout in emerging markets. So with the notable exception of China, from an economic growth perspective, where output's expected to remain on a fairly robust path throughout this year, the other main emerging market economies are suffering now from just that slow vaccine rollout and and the slow deployment of vaccines there. So the risk there is that we get new variants that may prove more problematic from a vaccination perspective. And then you see the reimposition uh, of restrictions, uh, in other words, some sectors impacted again. So all the risks are still centered mainly uh, around COVID-19 and its variants and in terms of how that uh, materializes. So we're seeing the impact of the vaccine rollout and the speed of that. Advanced economies are picking up, whereas I said, with the exception of China, emerging market economies are suffering on the back of a, a slower uh, vaccine uh, rollout and availability of vaccines. But all the risks aren't to the downside. There are upside risks too. And, you know, what I reference there is, uh, you know, the huge buildup of savings over the last while in key advanced economies. And if that is run down at a quicker than expected pace, then that does uh, feed through to stronger than expected uh, consumer spending. Uh, and when you look at the IMF and the OEC, what they're saying, when they look at the outlook, they state the risks are, are broadly balanced now, whereas at the start of the year, they were weighed more to the downside. Uh, so, but the biggest downside risk is, is still COVID-19 and its variants. Thanks, John. And I suppose then turning to you, Connor, you know, John has referred there to the potential risks out there, both upside and downside. Do you see any issues that are concerning you and that could affect the markets in the second half of 2021? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, the COVID one obviously is is, is there, as, as John mentioned, certainly, um, you know, we even saw it recently there where we had a bit of a volatility in equity markets and a lot of it was just maybe concerns around the, around the sort of the spread of the Delta variant and ultimately its effect on kind of consumer spending and, and consumer sentiment. So that, that certainly is an issue that um, that is there for equity markets. I suppose we'd, we'd, we'd hopefully have some optimism that with the vaccination paces, certainly more in more developed markets, that, you know, that that risk should hopefully reduce. But, but certainly, as John mentioned, it's, it's a live risk uh, there at the moment. Maybe two other risks that, that we probably see are the, the 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 second one would be um market valuations so certainly say if, if you know you can measure markets on, on different kind of uh, fundamentals but say say on a price earnings ratio which is kind of a popular one um like us markets trades on around 21 pe earnings versus kind of long term average of about 16 european markets are trading at around kind of 17 18 versus um a long term average of around 14 so that's about a 25% probably excess above the long term average you know so you know so so from that point of view you could certainly say valuations are, are stretched probably two maybe quick points on that I, I would say though is that what we're certainly seeing is we're certain, we're seeing earnings dramatically beating what expectations were so in Q1 in, in the states Q1 earnings expectations were 25% growth at the beginning of the quarter. They ended up being 50% growth. And what we've also seen in Q2 so far in terms of what, what, what earnings have been reported is we're seeing earnings coming in quite a bit more than what was expected. So I think if that if that can happen in subsequent quarters as we go through the year, well, then obviously that the earnings number will actually go up, which will ultimately bring the, 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 P, the PE down slightly. So, so maybe we could see those P ratios coming back slightly. The other factor I would also say 
that's probably supportive is that if you look at other valuations, so say things like dividend yields for equity markets. So the dividend yield on European markets around two and a half percent, it's around one and a half percent or so in the States. They're obviously well above what deposit rates are and, and, and obviously even short term bond yields are. So from that point of view, you know, while some metrics of valuation are expensive, others are, are supportive and certainly dividend yield w- would, would be in that category. And I suppose finally, the, the sort of the big elephant in the room um, and I think John will touch on it in probably a bit more detail is, is inflation. So obviously, you know, we've seen inflation coming out of the States at higher than expected. Obviously, again, markets are getting a bit concerned. So that's certainly something that, that, that we're going to watch uh, and we'll be watching closely probably uh, into the second half of the year. So I think, I think John, maybe you probably want to give a, some more color on that maybe. Yeah. So as Connor says there, we've seen very strong in inflation rates, but the general consensus uh, is that you know the spike higher inflation will prove temporary or as most of the major central banks are phrasing it uh, transitory because a lot of the impact behind the upward move in inflation is to do with partially base effects because of the lack of activity last year there's also supply shortages and constraints now because economies have reopened and then there's a sudden surge uh, in demand and we're seeing that higher inflation number come out through from a sector perspective a lot of those exec- sectors that were closed that have now reopened. So there's a reopening impact to it. So, you know, headline numbers are, are very high at the moment. Most recent data we have in the US is inflation at five and a half percent nearly for the headline rate core at four and a half percent. And that's the highest level since the uh, early 90s. We're also seeing higher inflation in the UK too and in the Eurozone. But as I said, all the major central banks uh, remain of the view that it's likely to prove temporary. Uh, one economy to keep a close eye on, which is kind of the forerunner, is the US, because one issue where uh, inflation may become more problematic is in the labour market. Uh, if you get uh, upward pressure on a sustained basis on wages, then that can uh, push that inflation rate higher on a more sustained basis as well. So we'll pay close attention to the US over the summer months into the autumn uh, to see how you know labour supply and labour demand there. Because what we've seen over the last while, over the last three months, in terms of US payroll data, it's uh, tended to disappoint. Two of those three months, it's disappointed to the downside of expectations in terms of jobs growth. So firms are saying that they're looking for workers, but they're finding it difficult uh, to uh, find workers to fill available posts. And job vacancies in the US are, are above 9 million at the moment. So how the US develops over the next couple of months will tell us a lot about the trajectory of inflation and whether it proves temporary or not. But all indications are so far in terms of sectors where it is, is that it likely will, uh, most of the increase uh, will prove to be transitory. And as we move into next year, and uh, that we'll see inflation start to ease back further. And I suppose from a market's perspective, Connor, uh, in terms of how your portfolios are positioned and that, that outlook is challenging, but at the same time, there's opportunities there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose what we did certainly look at was we kind of looked at, just a bit at maybe what what tends to happen to equities when you have higher inflation and, and maybe what ultimately where equities might go in a kind of a higher inflationary type environment. So, you know, there, there has been a good bit of research done on it. And what it kind of has shown is that, you know, equities can actually do OK in higher inflationary environments. I suppose there's a couple of key things. One is that you don't have too high inflation. So, you know, studies have shown that maybe inflation over over maybe five percent can be can be kind of can be negative for equity markets, but I think we're not looking at that as as being a, a likely scenario at, at the moment. Also, other factors that are also uh, supportive are say 
you know, again, markets don't tend to like, say, when you have inflation and negative economic growth, which is not the case at the moment. At the moment, we have inflation, but obviously it's supported by very strong economic growth. And I think the other, the other factor as well is that the higher inflation is very much expected as opposed to being sort of a, you know, a, a very high inflation rate that comes out of the blue, which, again, can, can, can unnerve markets because obviously they, they don't like uncertainty. Another aspect of that, Connor, I suppose, too, is, is just around interest rate policy. So that was a concern in markets, I suppose, uh, with the higher number of inflation, markets were probably a bit concerned that this could mean central banks would start to tighten policy much more. But if you look at futures contracts, uh, the general indication is it's still of a gradual increase in interest rates rather than sort of a, a rapid ramping up. So the Fed's expected to increase rates from the second half of next year. Uh, and so is the Bank of England. But they're still overall expected to be fairly gradual. And if you look at uh, futures contracts for what the market expects for the ECB, it's not expecting any rate increases to the second half of 2023. So the outlook from a monetary policy perspective is still very accommodative from an interest rate environment and just what central banks are generally likely to do. So that's probably supportive too, Connor, for the outlook. Yeah, and, and I suppose the other bit of comfort we get, and, and, and you'd be close to it as well, John, is that you know the, the, the inflation issue seems to be more of a US issue. So like if you look at, say, economic regions like the EU, Japan, even China, you know, inflation is between zero and two percent in those areas. So, you know, it, it, it does seem to be more focused in in terms of US. Now, obviously, we have seen higher inflation in the EU, but it's not remotely at the same level as it is in the US. So it, it does at the moment seem to be more of a US issue. And and ultimately, you know, equities do like actually a moderate bit of inflation because obviously it allows them, you know, pass on an element of price increases to consumers. But but they're passing on prices that are not, at you know, at a significant level. So they ultimately hope that it won't uh, affect consumer demand. And also, we've also found that certainly, say, value type companies. So again, your financials, materials, industrials, they actually do, they can do okay in an, in a more of an inflation environment because you know obviously they can pass on the, the price rises. Growth stocks tend to be a bit more affected uh, because their their earnings are more sort of discounted in, into the future. Um, and I suppose where we've kind of positioned our portfolios at the moment is we probably have a slight bias towards the value and we also have a kind of a slight bias towards Europe which again is kind of more value centered from an index point of view so we're probably you know positioned where we want to be in terms of maybe ultimately being in a slightly higher inflationary environment but but ultimately what we'd say to investors is certainly you know there's no need to panic you know the general view be it the Fed or as John outlined from from general forecasts is that inflation is going to moderate so certainly we'd say to, to customers you know you know, stay invested uh, and, and certainly a kind of a modern place for environment can still be positive for, for markets. Thanks, Connor and John. I think you've covered an awful lot there for our customers and all eyes will remain on the States. Um, we will see what that brings over the next quarter. Will we see more record highs and will it continue to perform as it has? I very much appreciate you joining me today and sharing those views. Our customers can find more information on all we've talked about today in the latest quarterly investment market and review bulletin, which is available now. My thanks to our customers and listeners for joining us on the podcast today. Don't forget, for those customers impacted, details of AIB support packages can be found at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. And of course, stay close to all our latest podcasts by pressing the subscribe button to AIB's Market Talk wherever you source your podcasts. Enjoy the summer and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.
Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.